All right, close to the mark, episode four and a half. Well, we'll call four and a half. Uh, 4.5. But uh, this week, uh, we are continuing uh, with our review of the events in the world of professional wrestling uh, leading up to Mother's Day, May 13th, which it is today. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Um, This is Charles. Corey here. Shout out to my wife, Renee, too. She's a mom. Happy Mother's Day, Renee. Hey. Um, and, uh, good job, Roman, on making, uh... Yeah, good job, Roman, making name mother. There you go. Is that, is that the, is that... Well, good job to you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. But, um... Watch free Bre- Brizango one. Um, <laughs> but we're, uh, we're back after our backlash review. We're gonna put aside all that negative energy... We're gonna. We're back. We're clearing the air. Yeah, we vented. We're we're getting rid. No more thoughts of backlash. It's over and done with. Put it behind us. The past is past. Let's talk about what happened this week, starting with Monday Night Raw. Raw showing Kurt Angle open the show. Kurt Angle opening it, things up, talking about money in the bank. Money in the bank, and of course, Braun. He's got to come down for us. He's in traction. Yeah, uh, Braun came out uh, to tell a story from his childhood, and it seems to me that he told a story that Vince. Told him to tell, and kudos to Bronze, kudos to Bronze's ability to read a script, because I never felt like something was said verbatim. Yeah, as much as that was. Yeah, I wonder how many times leading up in the hours to Raw, like he had to go through that whole thing to practice in the mirror. Yeah, that's so weird. How important is your character? I'm pulling down balconies on people. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm, I'm I'm running through dudes literally. Yeah. I'm putting dudes in dumpsters. I'm a murderer. Mm-hmm. But I also have to stand in front of the mirror and recite my line. Well, so <laughs> Roman Reigns did do like a Jack in the Beanstalk storyline at one. I mean, like promo segment. Chop you down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it seems like Braun's just kind of running with that idea. <laughs> yeah. Except now, like he's saying it literally happened in his childhood <laughs> that he's... A literal, he's always been a giant. Like, when he was a kid, he was still, like, seven and a half feet tall and 400 pounds pulling down trees. Did you ever see, what's his name? Did you ever watch SNL uh, with, uh, who was Will Ferrell? Ted Brogan. Yeah. Ted, he was just born a grown man. Yeah. He's like, honey, where's the steak? That's what Braun Strowman is. Braun Strowman was born huge. Born huge. And all of his friends were building a (laughs) treehouse. And he let them build the treehouse. And he didn't, like, wait for them to leave the treehouse so he could go claim it and make (laughs) it his treehouse. He did something better. Yeah. He pulled it all down. He pulled the whole tree down. With the kids in it. Kids in it. Murdered them all. Child murderer. Everyone's dead. But who stole the show of that of that segment? Kevin Owens. KO. KO got it done. I'm still. I'm not. I'll be. It'll be a rare day if someone could ever catch me immediately contradicting myself from a previous show. All right. If you catch me, call it out to us. Email it to us. Close to the mark podcast at gmail.com. I'd be impressed if you could find it. However. A couple weeks ago, I was talking about Kevin Owens never felt like a big deal. He still does not. But his promo game is next level. It's the best in the entire business. When he was talking about, he didn't follow the rules. I followed the rules. So Braun Strowman's not on a hot streak because he technically lost. I'm on a hot streak. And because I'm on a hot streak, I should be in Money in the Bank. 
it's it, it really piggybacks off what we were talking about so well in our in our backlash review of they're so good at being organic people and they connect everything so organically as as just characters that it always fits and it always seems like it's supposed to happen next. Right. And so that's he, what they're best at. He loses that match with Sami Zayn mm-hmm. against uh Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley. Mm-hmm. But Kevin Owens the character has a perfectly good explanation perfectly, for what happened. Perfectly good. And yeah. at the end of it, you're like, well, he kind of he won. He kind of he kind of won. Exactly. That's what the best heel to me. You know what? The best heel, even in real life, the the guy that I hate to hate, okay, is the guy that you argue with him, and then at one point during this entire thing, you're thinking to yourself, I don't like what this dude's saying. And I don't want to agree with him, but he does have a point. And when you get to that level is when people will care. Because what's that called? Cognitive dissonance. You don't implant yourself in their head for that reason. And no one does it better than Kevin Owens. The, uh, the, the only thing, the only detraction I would say from that whole segment is Kevin said that at arenas around the world, the fans chant his name. And then he took a breath, and he kind of waited. And he was hoping every chance. And instead, somebody held up a big cardboard cutout of Vince McMahon's head, which I thought was funny. <laughs> but um, I think, I think, because this, this is just my thought, but I, I believe this. Knowing who's at the Monday Night Raw taping, knowing your audience, I think if he'd said, when I come out, they chant, fight, Owens fight. I think he'd have got the chance. Oh, because the uh, good old Americans need the cadence. I need the cadence. They want to be led their sheep. And and also, like, what do they really like? What do they really chant when they're behind KO? They don't chant Kevin Owens. No, no, they they can't fight Owens. Fight. Fight Owens. Fight. Kudos to John Cena. Yeah, that's when it started. Yeah, you know, here we. When it's not here, we go Cena. What is? What's the John Cena one? Let's go see. Oh, let's go see. Fight Owens. Fight. Yeah. That's the one that they pushed back then. Yeah. But yeah, Kevin Owens stole that opening segment, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely stole it. And then they uh, what did what have they put him in a match with Braun? Money in the Bank uh, qualifying match. Good match too. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, again, so this is like because anybody in the ring with Braun Strowman is in the David and Goliath situation. Yep. Anybody in there with Braun is in the the situation of like, how can you credibly get any advantage or offense in against this guy? And Owens did a great job so good. of telling you how, you know, while he could get his clock clean because Braun was just that big and that strong, mm-hmm. like he could find his moments and he could find... The opportunity exactly. to take out the knee, or you know, I think he probably tuned into the Alexa Bliss Nia Jax backlash match to just find subtle ways for a little person to believably beat a big person. But at the same time, <laughs> I told you I'm consistent. Just like just like getting tackled uh, it, it, at rugby practice, like I talked about <laughs> in that backlash show. Eventually, Braun's just going to run over you like a freight train. Eventually, yeah. And there's nothing that you can do about it. Nothing. You just go down. It's crazy. I mean, I'm sure we all we all saw this match, I'm assuming. Even if you're the type that skims 
I'm assuming you still paid attention to this one. And Braun's character has done such a good job from booking to offense that maybe it's dependent on who he's working with, but that run by he does is the most impactful looking move I think there is. Yeah. It looks worse than any finisher. Yeah. Right well, now. and especially because just like most of the guys who are taking it, especially Sammy and Kevin right now, they are so good at like taking that bump Take and it. flipping in midair yeah. and exactly. smashing into the barricade and they just they make it look brutal. And I'm sure it doesn't feel that good. Oh, it can't feel good at all. I actually had to retract something that I said before. I used to talk to, uh, I think, I want to say it was our first episode. It, I said, uh, I like Kevin Owens because I can relate to him because of the belly. I can't relate to him, all right? Because he does have a belly, but by God, the belly doesn't define him, man. Because of the, the flips this man does, like his athleticism is pretty out of this world. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I, I don't know, man. I'm a, if Kevin Owens had like something more, had a crazy entrance, like with one of those aura intensity Kevin Owens only lands, lacks incredible intensity, which he had versus John Cena. And he also NXT. he also had it when he debuted in NXT the night that Sami Zayn won the NXT yeah. Championship. Uh, he had intensity in his match where he got his nose broken and yeah. refused treatment and went on to win his match. Uh, and he had intensity when he came out to celebrate with Sami, but before walking Sami backstage, crushed him, attacked him, laid him out. Apron powerbomb. And Take one over. one NXT takeover later, uh, did it again. Powerbomb Sammy until the referee and medics were forced to stop the match and award Owens the championship. Which was my favorite ending. That was intense. That was sick. Um, but his his nose when he breathes deep, his nostrils are absolutely humongous. You yeah. notice? Crazy. Should we talk about Braun Strowman's nipple? Always coming free. I don't know what it's always the right one. Always. It's always the right nipple, and it's always out there. Oh no, it's not. Well, I mean, it, it's, it always finds its way. It's always, it, it, yeah, it like, always, it, it always is like behind his shirt, behind his tank top, whatever. And then he's in a match, and then all of a sudden it's out, and then it's gone. Yeah, I don't get it. It's 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 it's, it's got a weird shape too. I, if I could gamble on wrestling, and I could pick what I gambled on is the highest percentage chance of winning. I would go all in on Braun Strowman's nipple coming out. I just want one. I want a Seinfeld reunion show (laughs) where Jerry and George and Elaine and Kramer are hanging out. Kramer, though. I mean, fair enough, man. I mean, it was just a rough time for him. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Um. I mean, Hulk Hogan is coming back eventually. Oh, maybe Mark Henry had to retire. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but, but, and 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 I'll say this because, like, this is something we we've never. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know if it's ever important that we talk about it. Uh, but we have mentioned before, like, we're very much in opposition to you know, like, racism, bigotry. Yeah, of course. you know, like. <laughs> And I think for most people it goes without saying, yeah, but exactly. but we're not we're not in the camp of you know like yeah that's cool or, or no yeah you yeah, know yeah. so and, and I will say like I am like as somebody who admit like I'll be the first person to admit like I was a huge Seinfeld fan and I am conflicted by being a fan of something that as like a a, a form of entertainment 
and you always do kind of have to like. Well, that's what you can do. It's the Chris Benoit thing. It's like, can you separate... And, and Chris Benoit is the most extreme example, but he does exist in the world of professional wrestling as an example. Can you separate, like, what you liked about what someone did... I don't think you want to use that example. Well... They've eliminated that man from history. Yeah, they He's have. Ultimate Warrior, man. Okay, so Ultimate Warrior. Vile, vile Horrible person. dude. Like, extreme bigot, nasty uh, personal uh, opinions. Yeah. Uh, and, and very hateful... Um, and WWE is, is, of course, very much whitewashing his public image and, uh, you know, who he was after his death. Um, but the truth is, while he was alive, the man said some awful things and had some awful personal politics and ideologies that he supported and promulgated. Um, now, if you were a huge fan of The Ultimate Warrior growing up as a kid and you saw The Ultimate Warrior speaking to a group of college students later on in life... Can you separate uh, enjoying being entertained by the characters versus what the the performer does the in their personal life? Of your example, all right, of, of just talking about a Seinfeld remake, I think it's fair to separate the character in the show from this vile dude. Now, I would prefer that the character be vile and the regular dude be okay. In this case, it wasn't like that. But I don't think anything's wrong with a Kramer example from his Seinfeld days because it's the character Kramer. Right. So, and I mean, ultimately, but what were you saying about the Kramer? Yeah, I mean, like, ultimately, this is the joke about dissecting a frog. You know, in the end, the frog's dead and nothing's (laughs) funny. Um, Because I was just going to say that all I want is a Seinfeld reunion where the four of them are hanging around watching wrestling. Braun Strowman comes out, and you just close out with Jerry going, is that a nipple? <laughs> but anyway, let's get back to Raw. Uh, let's get back to Raw. So we got, what was after that? You had the Titus Worldwide with No Way Jose. Yeah. And they did their dance, and uh, I want to say Apollo ate the pin? I think so. Wow, what a, what a. Unmemorable match. Yeah. Don't remember. I'm pretty sure... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no Jose got pinned. That's what made me ask you on the the, the review show. is For your debut match, would you rather beat a mid-card or have a competitive match with a top guy? Right. Because no way Jose came in, got eight end of days, got his first out. One right. for one, if your goal was else. Right. And and so and that's that's the thing is... Had had no way Jose, which no way Jose is never going to have uh, as his first match, a match, a competitive match with Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar or AJ Styles. Um, but debuting at any time, any time you have a debut win that's a fluke win, it tells you that they think there's a ceiling for you. There's a there's a like a day. Well, he didn't win. He lost. Well, but I mean, I, I'm saying when you do win, if you win, because he won the first match with a yeah. roll up on Corbin. Yeah, yeah. But when you get that fluke win on on somebody who could be elevating you if you could get a real win, but you you win with a roll up or an inside cradle or some a count out or outside interference helps you out, it tells you that there's a ceiling that they already have in mind for you that you're never going to go above a certain level. And when they take that win away from you and give it back to Baron Corbin the very next week, yeah. it pretty well establishes Clean. 
that that um, the dancing is going to be the highlight of your professional yeah. wrestling career. I have two questions. One of them, I need your history. Has what is the highest up the card? A character with a joke gimmick has ever made it. I mean, like a No Way Jose gimmick or that uh, Santino guy that was pretending to be a girl and had the snake. Like, what's the high? Has there ever been a dude that was a consistent main eventer that had a gimmick like that was a joke, like Breezango or something like that? Well, I would say that, I mean, when you get back into the the Hulkamania days uh, in the WWF, um, you know, like everybody was a cartoon character back then. So, like, you had a guy... Like it was also, but it was also like it was also the era of guys. Like that was when Vince McMahon thought that every professional wrestler needed to have something else that they did aside from being a professional wrestler. So, like in a sense, you could almost say that like Hulk Hogan was a motivational speaker who also happened to be world champion, (laughs) but everybody else was like a barber or like yeah, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Really? Yeah. Or a tugboat operator. Or everybody had something that they did that was like, you know, completely outside of the wrestling world. Is that, where is, is that who, was that Isaac Yankum? The dentist. DDS, the original role for Kane, was that he was... So, Jerry Lawler's personal dentist. So nobody was And asking. Jerry Lawler recruited his dentist into the WWF to fight Bret Hart. <laughs> so that's how the story's usually originated. Yeah, it's like this guy has a job. He's he he works as a, he works as a trash collector, but you know, trash collecting is like Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. kind of thing. I'm free. And Monday nights, he's got wide open. Calendar Let's free. get in there and, and Duke the Dumpster Drossy is going to have a match. But So I would say way back when... But like, like take Hulk Hogan out and use like Isaac Yankums and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Have any of those guys been the main eventers? Like consistent main eventers, no. But okay. like, I mean, they would... So just because, every, like I say, everybody was like that. Okay. Like you had guys who were hockey players... And pro wrestlers. You had guys that like ran a pet shop and were pro wrestlers. You had guys that had all these different like wacky gimmicks. It was no and were pro wrestlers. Yeah, it was like it was like nobody could make a living doing wrestling. Like you make your twenty grand a year, you know, running a hair shop uh, or a beauty salon or whatever it is that you do outside of wrestling because you're clearly not a great wrestler. Yeah. You make about eighteen bucks a month wrestling. <laughs> You pay your bills with your real job, and then you come and wrestle for the crowds. And because there were just so many of those guys, any time that you would have, you know, a Survivor Series where the Survivor Series main event would be five on five, well, you got to have ten guys in the main event of Survivor oh. Series, and there's no way to have a main event where like eight of those guys are not wacky cartoon characters. It's just not possible. <laughs> was so wrestling was, funner then? I mean. Um, like I couldn't pull for Isaac Yankum. No, but you, you were never meant. You were never meant to pull Brutus for Isaac. Brutus the Barber. Well, Brutus the Barber Beefcake was like he was one of Hulk Hogan's best friends. So I mean, they would often like have a tag team match together. So it's kind of like 
by association, you sort of had to be okay with this guy because the alternative was to root against Hulk Hogan. And, oh, you know what I mean? Like, who's going to How they're this? trying to do Bobby Lashley from Strowman. Yeah, yeah, that was kind so of So, like, idea. was there, like, did people say they were going to attack his building or, like, put him out of business? Like, was it stuff like that? Well, there was that famous incident where... Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty were talking about problems in the Rockers. Is that when he went through the class? That was a barbershop, wasn't that it? That was the barbershop window, yeah. Oh, my God. And uh, a lot of people would say that Marty Jannetty dove like a coward through the barbershop window to get away from Shawn Michaels. He didn't want to take any more of a Whose beating. Whose barbershop was that? It was Brutus the Barber Beefcake's Where barbershop. Where was he during this? Uh, well, he kind of had to step away because he they got violent. Oh, so he didn't have anything to do with that. He was just had his own little barbershop over here. And these dudes came in and was just fighting. Well, no, no, no. So they came into the barbershop. You know, they got to get a trim and keep things looking nice. Mullet? Yeah, get that mullet tuned (laughs) up a little bit. Yeah. Sweet, sweet, sweet mullet music. But, uh, but, uh, get the, get the little, uh, tune up to the mullet and, uh, and talk about why the rockers haven't seemed to be on the same page. Because, you know, you can talk about things in a barbershop. You don't hash about anything things, in a barbershop. Hash things out in the barbershop. You can definitely hash things out in the barbershop. It didn't work out so well that one occasion. It did not. No. But I, we just went on a crazy tangent. <laughs> yeah, but that was okay, fun. Okay, yeah, so. I agree with you there. I agree. So we're coming back to Earth now. I, I think I originally had two questions. I don't remember what the other one was anymore. Okay. So let's talk about Ember Moon with that sick eclipse again. The eclipse. I'll tell you. It's the best finish. There's nothing to talk about. Well, and, 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 and we almost said everything that needed to be said... Uh, the the first time we talked about Ember Moon appearing on Raw and using the Eclipse, mm-hmm. we established that it's going to be your finisher, it's going to be your signature move, <laughs> it's going to be your submission, because yep. you're going to hit it and then just hang on hang and squeeze on. at the end. And you, if there's two of them, I'm catching both of them. Right. Except for the psychology, that was so trash. Right. Did you see like the bank statement set up for it? She did the, you know when she does that backbreaker set mm-hmm. up when she pulls her hands and then gets her knees ready? So I, I decided that I finally... I finally found something of because like I always try to figure out like what makes someone better than another person, and I get, I think a lot of them physically can do a lot of the same stuff, but I think it's timing, um, pace, and when you do what you do that matters. And yeah. this match gave me an example that I can actually describe something that makes someone better is when they set up this little backbreaker to Ruby Riot. And the reason they did that was so Eclipse could hit she. I mean, Ember Moon could hit the Eclipse on both of them right. simultaneously. But their timing was a little rough, so Sasha Banks just set her up for the backbreaker and sat there for like two full seconds of just like, "Hey, <laughs> what's going on?" Before she finally hit it, and that right there is what makes some person better than someone else. Right. When the timing is flawless there, and you grab them immediately when mm-hmm. they jump. And it looks like you were actually trying to do your bank statement. They caught you. Yeah. When this reminded you that they were setting up a spot. That's the difference between a five-star match and a four-and-a-quarter star match. It's, I think that's the difference between a five-star match and like a three-and-a-half-star match. Well, it can be. That's the difference it, between great and good. It can be, absolutely. But um, but the difference is when you have guys that they both know they're... They're going to do everything right, and their mm-hmm. timing is going to be spot on. Yeah. They can do things effortlessly with complete trust that exactly. the other person in the ring is going to be exactly where they need to be, mm-hmm. and that match can go as perfect as a match can ever go. And your four and a quarter, or even your three and a half star match, is where that drop kick was going to be the highlight of the heat segment. Mm-hmm. 
but somebody was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and yeah. we had to start over and do it again. Exactly. And now everything feels wrong. Killed the whole flow, yep. So yeah. that's definitely... I learned that, but we don't got to say much about the clips, because... I mean, can we agree the rest finish it all? Yeah, and like we... Again, like I said, the first time we talked about the Eclipse, yeah. we said everything that needs to be said about it, which is nobody's getting up from it, and nobody ever should, and even though no Shane... Ever and even though Shayna Baszler choked out Ember Moon to take the NXT Championship from her. Every time Ember Moon has hit the Eclipse on Baszler, the story's been lights out. That's it. And if so the story of, of Shayna now being NXT Champion is that Ember got called up to Raw after losing the belt and that Shayna won that match because of her submission skills and not getting hit with the eclipse, but if she had been hit with it, exactly. it it had been game over. I think that's I think that's the basic level how it should be though. Yeah, and that's what they're missing. But uh, what happened at this one? I have a gut feeling, and maybe I need to come down a couple levels. But I'm right emotional high. But I think Vince did listen to our podcast, and he doesn't like me. I thought to myself, and I was talking about this, like, Jinder Mahal versus Chad Gable had to be the toughest match in the world. You must, like, you had to be like a dog watching a tennis match. Just like, what, left, 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 brutal, man. Because, I mean, if we think about it, a month ago, maybe episode one, maybe two, I was saying how I like Jinder. Yes. I was saying how I want Chad Gable to be the champion. Right. Okay. They had nothing to do with each other at that time. Nope. This was pre-Superstar Shake-Up. Right. They were on different shows. Uh Uh-huh. And there is nothing that would ever lead to the idea they... Jinder Mahal versus Chad Gable. And two, three weeks later... Yeah. Here they are. Right. In a blood feud. Right. (laughs) So, So, I've had to rethink everything... And I've claimed that I don't contradict myself, but I'm going to be required to, which has put me in a weird place back to what you were saying, is hurting me. You know, because I don't know who I want to win. Yeah. But I can tell you I was sad when Chad Gable took the L. Yeah. I was sad when he took the L. Chad Gable's good, though, man. Chad Gable is really good. So good. And, you know, I think uh, it's one that, like, that's one of those matches where I could almost, like, if you told me that I was going to see a match that was going to be Jinder Mahal versus Chad Gable on Raw. I, I could have told you that my expectation is that Jinder's winning. And if you'd really asked me why, I'd have said, because he's bigger and he's more muscular. Exactly. And, yes. you know, and if you... He takes if, the shots. If you ask me, uh, he, he takes his vitamins. <laughs> he takes his he, vitamins. Yeah, I don't know if he trains, yeah, he but he takes his vitamins. He has not missed vitamin day in a long time. But, uh, but... But I, if you'd asked me, like, who I think should win and, and what would tell the better story, I'd have said Chad Gable should win, and he should win – he should outclass gender. He should, he, should he, should make, he should make Jinder Mahal look like something that he is, which is like a modern-day Rick Martel, uh, a pretty – Time, time. Modern-day Maharaja. Modern day Maharaja. Okay, I don't care about. I don't know who Rick Martell is, but he ain't the modern day Maharaja. He was a pro wrestler whose full time job was oh, being a model. <laughs> but We're it, moving on. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I think Chad Gable should have outclassed Ginger, and I think like with his with his amateur background, mm. which means his mat wrestling skills, yeah. his suplexability. Um, you know, Ginger Mahal was WWE champion. 
is not now. Um, and, uh, you know, they have a different idea for gender clearly for the next month or two. Um, I think since the last six months. Yeah, but I think I think Chad Gable could have gotten a really good win in winning that match. Well, he rolled him up last week. Yeah. I think, I mean, I probably got the goggles on because I have the kind of personality that, like, I lock on and I said, this is my dude, like Dolph Ziggler. But, like, with Chad Gable, I feel like, have you ever seen any of those Zack Sabre Jr. wrestling matches? Uh-huh. They're so, they're so weird because they're so different. But they're impressive because he's more like Matt wrestling, submissionist. Like, he looks fluid and smooth. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to see Chad Gable doing. I want to see Chad Gable rolling people's bodies up on him, you know? Yeah. Like, this dude trying to stand up. But Chad Gable just counters everything he throws at him. He uses an amateur wrestling move and this dude's back on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know? So he can't use... I mean, the same story they were telling with Big Cassidy. I would like to see... I would like to see also for Chad Gable because I think a big part of why... I think... Brock is more like I think Brock's like literally more physically limited now than obviously he was mm-hmm. in younger years. I would like to see Chad Gable be able to incorporate into his matches a lot of those things that made guys like Scott Steiner and Brock Lesnar in their prime so physically impressive and scary in the wrestling ring. I'd like to see belly-to-belly suplexes yeah. with a lot of snap to them. I'd like to see... He does well at his finisher that he does a sick when he puts him in the corner. Does that roll over him? Like they do that backflip roll and then it goes into the suplex from there? It looks sick. Yeah. Not not eclipse sick, but yeah, I, I agree with you saying I want to see him I want to see him like out-wrestle people. Yeah, and I think like you could incorporate a lot of that like, you know... Uh, Brock Lesnar, Scott Steiner, um, you know, multiple suplex possibilities from every angle type Mm. of wrestling into his arsenal and, you know, make him somebody who's legitimately scary to get in the ring with. Yeah, like, I I don't, I mean, I said it then, I'm going to say it now. I'm going to put a Monday, I'm consistent Corey. All right, I'm saying it then, I'm saying it now. I want to see Chad Gable competing in singles matches. For world championships. Yeah. I also still want to see Jinder there, so I am at a weird standoff there. The only thing about it is to me that, that like, uh, you know... He's got everything. Vince McMahon, you He's know, had... Vince, Vince McMahon had Kurt Angle as somebody, like, he, he kind of had to respect and acknowledge the Olympic gold medal, despite the fact that, like, Kurt Angle is not 6'5", you know? Yeah. I mean, like, but... When you've had guys in the past like Taz, Taz, you know, made his debut in in WWE. Who was Taz? Uh, Taz was a professional wrestler whose other job was murdering people. Is that Perry Saturn? No. Taz and Perry Saturn, two different people. Uh, But Taz, like when Taz debuted, he had exactly that. He was a suplexing machine. He was an amateur wrestling machine. He used Samoa Joe's choke to choke people out. In fact, Samoa Joe like got a lot of his arsenal from Taz. The urinagi. Yeah. Get that from him because that move looks sweet. Yeah, but uh, but um, you know Samoa Joe is very largely like modeled after Taz. Taz was shorter and more muscular. Okay, but. That's the thing is like a lot of people talk about Vince McMahon pulled the trigger on him big time when he debuted, gave him a huge win, and then it went away because ultimately, like no matter how technically good somebody is and how somebody has the ability to take their opponent apart with suplexes and technical wrestling, if you're a little too short, 
you don't get that big push. Come back ends with a close line. Right, and that's I I worry that that's in Chad Gable's future. It's like how you said with Vince. See how big that guy is? Yeah, I could never beat him. And I it's, and I and I I feel like uh, you know that's almost why I would be okay with seeing. Less, I mean, Daniel Bryan overcame it. But I would like to see he did. But he's 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 the exception rather than the rule. I think and uh, and, and and that's why I would like to see Gable and Jordan. As the new world's greatest tag team no. under under Kurt Angle, I think that could be a good direction for them. Do it, man! I don't want him tied to him. We can't get into that, man, because it's ah, you done set me off. He needs to compete for singles matches, man. All right. Well, speaking of greatest tag teams in world history, let me ask you a different question. Actually. Okay, I've sure. been waiting for this moment. All right. Ask me: Is there a better wrestling podcast than ours? Is there a better wrestling podcast than ours? Woo, woo, woo. The answer's no, bro. <laughs> the Kurt Angle's the best actor, man. Yeah. He's the best. Was he a good actor, like, back in the day? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. That was I like, missed that. Thing. One of the things that you saw from Kurt Angle was when, when he, Kurt Angle and Steve Austin at one time were both injured and on the shelf at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they were, it was like two enormous stars in the company. Yeah. You couldn't keep them both off TV. It would take two, like, you would... It's a hit. I mean, just imagine, like, if you said... All right, well, so Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins are both injured. We're going to take both of them off Raw for the next six months. Like, Raw would be a different show. Yeah. It would be totally different to take away... It might be Monday Night Rowley instead of Rollins. Exactly. It would change the landscape too much. So you yeah. had to keep these guys on the show somehow. Yeah. And what you had was... Kurt Angle attempting to win the friendship of Stone Cold Steve Austin in a series of backstage segments. Is that when they were drinking milk? Uh, drinking drinking milk, playing guitar, wearing cowboy hats, singing songs. Did they become friends? With they you? did, of course, become friends. How could you not be friends with Kurt Angle or Stone Cold Steve yeah, Austin? That, he's, he's my guy. What happened after my boy Dolph? Dolph w's. Ziggler. Dolph W. Ziggler. Asterisk. All caps, Drew McIntyre. Yeah. I don't think there's much to say here other than these guys are going to keep winning. They might win the tag team championships before Drew slash... I'm pretty sure what's going to happen is Dolph's going to attempt to... I think what you talked about with Braun and Bobby Lashley is likely to happen here. Except for it's going to be Dolph tries to turn on Bobby. Oh, I, I, so I, I mean, Drew, it's not going to work. Drew's going to destroy him. I think with... with I think with... Um, with Braun and Lashley, what I would like to see is like a misunderstanding between the two of them makes Bobby Lashley reveal his true nature, which is a much darker, more aggressive side of his personality. Yeah. With Ziggler and McIntyre, what I think is much more likely to happen is that Ziggler is taking all the credit for their wins week after week. All of it. When when they walk around with tag team titles, He's carrying both. Ziggler is carrying both of them. <laughs> And talking about how, as you said, my middle name is W because I get so many because I always win. And Drew is standing there like, what is this guy talking about? I'm the one winning all these matches. Have you noticed that Dolph X hasn't hit offense yet? All he's done is be part of a tandem move. Be part of the tandem move. Yeah. So I hope what you're saying. And then I think the other thing that you could see is, um, you know, because Dolph, very much utilizes the super kick, and I think 
you could you could literally mirror what they did when Shawn Michaels and Diesel were tag team partners and have McIntyre hold somebody in place for the super kick who drops down at the last second, oh, having Ziggler super kick Drew McIntyre, who does not fall. Of course not. He, he, he's very badly hurt. That made his jaw very sore, yeah. and he's very mad, but he doesn't go down. And he... Proceeds just to beat up Dolph after that. Probably so. And the elves begin. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. That's probably where we're going with let, this. Let me, yeah, let me, let me, let me keep W's while we got him with Dolph, because I'm, I'm 100% vested in seeing them stack up for a little bit. But I'm hoping when this goes down, Drew McIntyre's going to be like, look, man, you keep trying to take credit for our wins, and you keep saying you're winning. But you don't do anything except for this this move, like you said. Yeah. And Dolph, in lieu of Kevin Owens, going to be like, so what you're telling me is every time I'm involved in an offensive maneuver, we win immediately afterwards? Yeah. And we're going to say, he ain't lying. Yeah. You know, but it's also, it's also going to be, <laughs> in a certain vein, like what you've said before, if Big Cass had just told Enzo. <laughs> so basically... Your finisher is tagging me. Yeah. Why don't I just start the match? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then you got a who can... Oh, Elias. Elias. Who Corey Graves says <laughs> is a main eventer... Main eventer. When the match starts. Ruthless. But terrible before and after. Yeah. You know, specifically, before and after the bell... I want. I got no time for him. Yeah, <laughs> but while the match is going on, he's the best. Fantastic. Made we, me think Corey Graves was an awesome commentator. And it's a great line. Yeah, but it happens to be just diametrically opposed to the reality of the situation, <laughs> yeah. which is that Elias is super entertaining when he's out there sitting on a stool playing the guitar and asking who wants to walk with Elias mm-hmm. and telling you running down your town and telling you how much where you live sucks. Yeah, every time. But he's awful in the ring. Awful. He is the worst he's in the ring. So bad. I mean... I would rather wrestle a blow-up doll. Roman Reigns was on the house show circuit competing against Elias Remember in the main that? event, yeah. which we saw. We did, yeah. Brian Alvarez saw it up too in Everett, Washington. Oh. Talked about that. So now we're going to have Roman versus Jinder main eventing the house show circuit. I think they might actually be coming back to Charleston at some point fairly soon with Roman versus Jinder in the main event. I'm getting front row seats. I'm getting Jinder's autograph, if he would allow me to. I know that the modern-day Maharaja's time is very, very well kept. Absolutely. Valuable. (laughs) Who did Bobby Roode is who Elias was against? And I'm kind of over Bobby Roode. It's like you said, man. You take away his entrance and there's nothing left there. Yeah. They... and, And they... You know, I feel like they haven't done him wrong. I feel like his matches. He's like, he's, you know what I think he is? And correct me wrong because I don't know the long history here, but there's two things. I read probably like six months ago, a year ago on Squared Circle, that they were saying people were really high on him and they were like the idea of him being like big in the company. But different from that, I feel like Bobby Roode right now is like Randy Orton to most people and maybe the history makes me wrong. But like Bobby, I'm not going to watch a Bobby Roode match and be like, this was sick. I'm never going to watch and been like, that was trash. They did absolutely nothing good. Yeah, no, it's, so just, it's just, it's middle of the road. It's consistent and you yep. know what you're getting. But there's, that not, there's nothing going to be super exciting. Nope. And I mean, like everything about, you know, what he does follows along with that idea. He is the guy whose finisher is a DDT. A glorious version of it. Uh, sure, but it's a DDT nonetheless. 
Dean Ambrose is another guy whose finisher is a DDT, but when you look at the offense in the match, Dean Ambrose is that guy who you can see jumping off the top rope to the outside and all the way to the floor. Exactly. Bobby Roode's not doing that. Not not even considering considering it. Bobby Roode is doing uh, a hammerlock. Yeah. Dot 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 headlock. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and that's not just... not a top rope headlock. Not a top rope headlock. So I think yeah, he doesn't he doesn't bring he doesn't bring that much excitement. They didn't do him uh, much in the way of favors by putting him in the mixed match challenge with Charlotte where. All they did was emphasize that boy, he really does kind of want to be Ric Flair. Yeah. Oh, you know, and and uh, you know, since then, like again, we talk about you know when we talked about the segment with Bobby Lashley, the interview segment, talking about his sisters and his childhood background and everything. Like, doesn't tell you anything about the person. Bobby Lashley is not telling any kind of story about who he is or what he's trying to do. Except for pretend to be Ric Flair. Yeah. What blows my mind the most, and I, I didn't even watch Ric Flair, what blows my mind the most is like they show Charlotte's entrance clothes and they compare them to Ric Flair's robes. They see her strutting and they compare it to Ric Flair's strut. Bobby Roode literally is wearing this man's robe. Yeah. Well, I guess he's literally wrong here, but he's wearing the same idea of the robe and he's actually doing the same strut too. Right. But they never say anything about it. Yeah. I feel like they're going to get sued soon. Because he's just stealing them. It's like... Blatant gimmick infringement. It's Benjamin Button. If, if Benjamin Button was Ric Flair. Yeah. Bunch is going to be Bobby Roode. Yeah. You know? Brutal, man. But then, what happened after that? I don't even remember anymore. I think... Seth Rollins and Open Challenge. Seth Rollins and Mojo was ready. We already knew that, though. Because he stays ready. Yeah. <laughs> There's but, not much even to say there. Because yeah. no way he's ready. But he wasn't ready for Seth. Well, he wasn't ready to win. He was ready to compete. Ready to be out there. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, if uh, put it like this. If Floyd Mayweather had to, had the unfortunate circumstances of coming up against me in an MMA fight, he would be ready to fight. He would not win. He would not be ready for you. Exactly. That's yeah. how Mojo Raw is. He's definitely ready to compete. But when you consider what he's up against, there's not really much there. It's too bad Zack Ryder was ready for Raw, but not ready to have a match. Isn't that crazy? Zack Ryder was ready for Raw in his ring gear. Yeah. Ready for Raw. No match for you, man. Now, I have one other question that I I hope someday I'm going to get an affirmative answer to from Mm -hmm. WWE. I think if you go out there as Intercontinental Champion or U.S. Champion, you stand in the middle of that ring... And you say, this is an open challenge. I'll face anybody. Mm-hmm. Any number of guys from the back should all be able to come in and have a match with you at the same time. Oh, and whatever one pins you is going to be the champion? Well, I mean, like, if I'm Zack Ryder and Mojo Raleigh says I'm coming down for a match, I'm like, me too. Me too. He said it was open. He said anybody could challenge him. Who says I can't be in there? Now it's a triple threat. Now it's a triple Well, what's going to... I mean, realistically, what's going to stop you from using the whole roster? Where's Rhino? Where's Heath Slater? Wouldn't they like a shot at the Intercontinental Championship? I feel like they would, but now... I mean, you can't do that. It's an open challenge. Yeah, but it's meant to be one-on-one. It's meant to be one-on-one. I didn't hear that. I heard him say he'd face anybody. Now, I I think I would like to see a group of two, like, uh, I mean... Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Yeah, and one of them... Like decides. Actually, I would go more Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho, when they were helping each other keep their belts, 
And like he would come down there and just like not try to win himself, just try to beat him so the other guy can win it. I would be okay with seeing that. But not just a free for all. I would like to see if somebody does if somebody issues the open challenge, I would like to see maybe you only do it one time and maybe after that you redefine the rules as it can only be one person. Yeah. But just one time. Just one time I wanna see I wanna see Jinder win the US championship back or win the Intercontinental Championship. I want him to open up Jinder Mahal's open challenge, and I want 20 guys to hit the ring. And I want to see the look on his face when they come for him. I think it would be a crazy, intriguing storyline of 20 guys come to the ring, and whatever one pins them, because, like, I mean, this is getting in crazy territory, but, like, the Fatal Four Ways and Triple Threats, Mm -hmm. they really end up with people resting a lot. Yep. And it ends up a one-on-one in the ring at one point. Yeah. You know, but then you take into account like Seth Rollins finish against Finn when he just hustled up the ladder when it made sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I like seeing stuff like that. And the equivalent of that, if you have 20, it's intriguing because everybody would be stopping you from pinning them. Yeah. And the battle comes who's going to pin them and how. Yeah. But I can't see a feasible way to actually have it happen. Well, it doesn't, and it doesn't have to be 20, but it could be seven. Even then, I don't and, see so, But I think the match itself could be so much fun just because first you get the reaction of this guy realizing he just opened his big mouth and made this open challenge yeah. and seven guys are answering. And then the other thing is, this is going to be a match where like it doesn't have to be a long match, but it's still going to be exciting because you're going to get... You're gonna get multiple finishers. You know, you're gonna yeah, get exactly. like you're gonna get a lot of stuff happening in a hurry. Yeah, since, well, you get something that makes sense, like your Vince Russo stuff earlier that you were saying. Uh, probably on the the earlier one we did that he's swerving people, but it doesn't make sense. You would set yourself set yourself up for a swerve that did make sense, and you could easily work yourself out. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think it'd be cool as long as afterwards, if you won the belt back or whoever won the belt would actively and clearly say that can't be happening. Yeah. Again. Well, you could yeah, have, exactly. You could, you, could, you could have a general manager's ruling afterwards. Say, yeah. Like as long as that happens, so right, yeah, okay. I think that'd be cool. All right. So what do we have after that? We had Mojo, Raleigh, Cassiel. That's fine. And then yep. we had the... The Leaders of Worlds. Yeah, they they beat... Uh, who they beat? Curd? Yeah, Bowen Curtis. Yeah, the Mistarage. Nothing there. Um, I mean, I would hope that Matt and Bray could beat the Mistarage. Right. But then I would hope anybody could meet the, beat the Mistarage. Um, that's classic, you know... We'll use Big Dave's words here. It was a match. It was a match, and we'll just keep on rolling. Yep. Then you had that triple threat for the Money in the Bank qualifier. It's turning right back into anyone but you, Roman. Yeah. With Bray Wyatt, and it's doing it quickly. It was a fun match, but we knew Roman was going to get not screwed. We knew they were going to do something. Well, he did get he did get screwed because Ginger. Jinder interfered. Jinder reached reached under the ring ropes when Roman was going for the spear or the Superman punch or whatever. Yeah, I know, but like, it's dumb. It's just not like you not you didn't actually get screwed because it's allowed. And well, there's yeah, there's no DQs and like if you can, we're back to the point of the problem with backlash. If if Samoa Joe can dominate you for twenty minutes, but this man just pulled your leg and that killed you. Yeah. Killed you. You just had nothing left. Either gender should be a beast or you're not. So we got... Who would... That's Finn won that one? Yeah, Finn... No. Yeah, Finn won Coup de Grace, Sammy. Yep. And then we were on Smackdown. So, yeah. So, uh, 
Roman does not qualify for Money in the Bank. Yes. Sami Zayn does not qualify. Kevin Owens does not qualify. Uh, but who? here's who we know is going to be in the men's Money in the Bank. We know Braun Strowman mm-hmm. is going to be in the men's Money in the Bank. There's going to be an angle where early on in the match, presumably, you're going to have at least four guys up on ladders going for the Money in the Bank briefcase. The treehouse? In the treehouse, and Braun's going to knock it down. Yep. And Finn Balor is going to be one of those guys. Absolutely. And he's going to fly a long ways after. And there's going to be a women's Money in the Bank match, and Ember Moon is almost certainly going to hit the eclipse from a ladder to someone, and that person will never be seen again because they'll be dead and buried the next Career day. Ending. Yeah. I want to see from the top rope, they're on the ladder. She goes from the top rope, flies over the top rope like E.T. in the Catches moon. Catches him on the ladder. Does the reverse, grabs him on the side of the ladder, and I guess at that point it looks like an RKO on the way down. Uh, until they, yeah, until they take that stunner landing. Until they take the stunner landing. Yeah. If they ever get up for the rest of the match, I'm done at that point. I'm hoping to see our man Ricochet get called up for the Money in the Bank match. That would be that would be a good call. I feel like that would be pretty cool. But he's he's uh, so the night before um, he's actually going to be facing Velveteen Dream. So we'll see. Uh, how that match goes and what kind of shape Ricochet is in for Money in the Bank. Yeah. So um, now we had, after that, we had Miz and Jeff Hardy, which was the best ending of a Raw or SmackDown match I've seen in quite some time. As he hit him with the Swanton Bomb, did that lazy pin on that he always does afterwards when he's laying on his chest, and then Miz just rolled him off. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately on the two, which and, was sick. Yeah. And Miz got a, a clean pinfall victory over the U.S. champion. Yeah, which is... Big stuff. But it was a Money in the Bank qualifying match rather than a uh, a title match. Yep. So non-title but Money in the Bank qualifier. And Miz is now added to the Money in the Bank. And I have... This is the moment that I think at this point deserves to get said. At what point... And I don't know if Jeff Hardy's this, but we talked about this one too. But at what point do you got to start giving Miz a little bit of credit for his ring work? Miz is good. I mean, Miz is better. Miz is better in ring than a lot of people do give him credit. I feel for. like Miz is actually just really good. Well, I think so. What the detractors would say when they talk about Miz and it, the the limitation on how good a Miz match is going to be is that if Miz is in there with Bobby Roode. They're never going to have a match that's above like three and a half stars. Maybe. But if Miz is in there, because Miz is not a high flyer, Miz is a Miz is a mat worker. He's a technician. Uh, he's a really good in ring performer. But he's not going to give you the Dean Ambrose flying across the ring. He's not going to give you the Jeff Hardy or Seth Rollins flying across the ring. When he's in there with those guys. You can now have a match that has all the solid in-ring elements and has the excitement of the little bit more, you know, daredevil. Yeah, like a little more like adrenaline spike spots, I suppose. And now he can have a four and a half star match. Um, I think I probably agree with that. But I just, I feel like Miz has this thing attached to him. Talking, he's great. It's just his work is not so good. His work is well above average. His work is really good. Yeah. Yeah, like it's not he's not good if you compare him to AJ Styles and stuff. But he is closer to the top than he is the middle. Absolutely. And um the other thing that I like about the Miz is that the Miz is one of those guys who like it's 
He does, and he's and he's an, he's old. He, he here's why I'm going to say Miz is old school, even though he's not. He's like the opposite of the traditional way to get into wrestling. He's a guy who like was on a reality <laughs> show and then was on a reality show about wrestling and then <laughs> yeah. got into wrestling and ultimately headlined WrestleMania, successfully defended his championship against John Cena. Like that's not the normal story, but the guy was a fan and he was a fan back when he was a kid. Exactly. So he knows like that when you when you have an opponent in a compromised position and you're the bad guy, before you kick this guy, you should look at the crowd. Because that subtle little cue of looking to the crowd before you hurt this guy is going to elicit a response. They're going to tell you what they think about the fact that you're about to kick this guy. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear more noise in a mismatch than you are in a lot of other guys' mismatch, in other guys' matches because the Miz has the sense to use his ring psychology to make his matches better. Exactly. And he does not... Like, Miz lacks the ability to do the top-tier physical things, but he does not miss an opportunity to do the little impactful things. Yeah. Ever. And he needs love for that, for sure. So, I give credit to that man where he's due. Then you got Charlotte, got her Money in the Bank qualification out the way from those iconics. They're getting kind of annoying... Yeah, so I think right now you have uh, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay in the Iconics. Mm-hmm. You have Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville in Absolution. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's like, there's not enough going on there, and I think there's not. We have like we, we have unified women's belts. Well, I think what we need. Is and I don't think I don't think this would be uh, the worst direction WWE could go because we're not going to have brand split pay per views anymore. We're going to have. Are you telling me every pay every pay per view is going to be the one time that Raw and SmackDown go head to head? But we're not we're not going to have brand splits anymore. Then we need all the women on one show because we'll now have a roster that's deep enough. To have sixteen women, yeah. or seventeen women, whatever we have, but have we'll a have card belt or a tag team belt. Yeah, I agree. Because I agree, we've got the iconics, we've got Absolution, we've got uh, you know Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, Bailey. Between the four of them, the four horsewomen of the wrestling side, mm-hmm. we can we can have a tag team there that can tell a story. Exactly. Maybe Sasha and Becky can be a tag team oh, together. I think. I think. I think you're right. Because groups don't make sense if there's not a tag team title. And, and because if everyone's goal is to win the belt, well, then eventually when y'all gonna have to turn on each other. And if you have if you have um, all the women on one roster, then you've also got the potential for Alexa and Mickey as a tag team. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have a legitimate tag team uh, scene going on with the women. And you can still have your women, your one unified women's championship belt, like you said. Yeah, I, I agree. With you. I think that'd be. I think it makes sense. And I think at that point, um, they got, I mean, because they just got two thinned out pools right now. Yeah, and I'm okay with. I'm okay with. Um, you know, the idea that maybe you take the entire tag team division and put it on one show. I'd like to see probably tag teams on SmackDown. And women's on Raw, and I like I've said before, I would like to see the occasional 
cruiserweight match on yeah. Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Even if it's only the cruiserweight title gets defended every two weeks on Raw, something like that. Yeah. So typically, you got to tune into a pay-per-view pre-show to see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, like, guys feature them in front of three and a half million people instead of the 200,000 people that have already tuned in on the network. Exactly. You know, yeah, give I them do. a little bit more of a highlight. Yeah, that's fair. After that, we had Cesaro and Xavier Woods. You had that Sheamus with, I mean, that segment with Sheamus eating the Lucky Charms and yeah. laughing. Makes him, makes him feel better. Yeah, exactly. And that pancake thing was just weird and cringy, to be honest. What is, like... New Day's gone. Are we ever going to know what the whole pancake thing was about? No, they just moved on from the bootios to the pancakes or something, man. Do I do I feel like Aunt Jemima's involved in this somehow? Oh my goodness gracious! Now we have to give another Kramer speech. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> this is this Aunt is, Jemima. This is the WWE, and we're talking about black wrestlers. I mean, it's like I guess you're right. Yeah, my bad. I mean, I <laughs> still respect you guys. You know, shout out to you guys. You know, but uh, I mean, we, it's time we see a change there, but. Without that change, if I have to talk about what it is and not what it should be, Aunt Jemima might be involved. <laughs> that, that's really the truth. Yeah. So it is what it is. Then you had Mandy Rose defeated Becky Lynch, which was, it is what it is. It was a roll-up. Yeah. Becky Lynch gets no treatment. Doesn't matter. Now, the biggest one of the night by far was Rusev being Daniel Bryan. Yeah. That was, that was, uh, you know, yeah. that's impactful. <laughs> so... And and after after Rusev won with a head kick, mm-hmm. Machka kick, yeah, Machka. Um, you you now have Rusev is also qualified for the Money in the Bank match, mm-hmm. which is getting hossier and hossier, big time. Braun Strowman is going to be in it. Rusev's going to be in it. You're going to have uh, some some serious weight and muscle in that. A lot match. of weight. I think they're going to reinforce the ring. Yeah. I think they'll reinforce I think they're going to have one of those uh, ju- jumbo-sized big show ladders. Oh, but here's the question that matters the most. Mm-hmm. They played the angle that Daniel Bryan was still recovering from the big cast beatdown. They did, but they also made sure to play up that here was an opportunity for Daniel Bryan to work his way back into being a world champion, mm-hmm. and he blew it. He lost. Well, he lost because of the beatdown from Big Cass. He hadn't recovered. Right. So did he actually lose yet? We're back full circle. Well, I'm not. So what I'm saying is he, but he, Daniel Bryan knows that an opportunity just slipped through his fingers. He did not qualify for Money in the Bank, but I don't think he lost. It's but not clean. There's an asterisk on it. Sure, but. End of the day, he doesn't have a path to get the Money in the Bank briefcase to get the World Championship. And knowing that, he sat in the ring disappointed and thinking about what what's to come for Daniel Bryan. I think we are, with Daniel Bryan, I think we are telling that story of from the valley to the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy too, though, because you actually, you're putting Roman Reigns... And Daniel Bryan on the exact same path, they're just at different points in it. The corporate, they're holding me down, whole thing, that's still going on, you know? So then I think at the end there, you had, what, oh, mercy, someone came out. Who came out and talked and then Bryan made the save? Who was out there talking? AJ Styles came out and talked and Rusev came out and uh, can't talk to him. Daniel Bryan came out and made the save. Right. Yeah, so we got Daniel Bryan, still the ultimate good guy. And yeah, that's it. 
Um, well, uh, so that's that's uh, Raw and SmackDown for this week. We're starting to lay the groundwork for Money in the Bank. Big rumor and um, the fact that uh, Breezango, the fashion police, talked about competing and actually cut a behind-the-scenes promo. Ascension as well. Um, it looks like we're going to have a tag team Money in the Bank. No way. Which they haven't officially said, but a lot of... I know Meltzer and Alvarez... Yeah, let's just go ahead. All right, guys. Um, so we, uh, we're we uh, back again just uh, explaining there that uh, our recording got cut off there for a second. And for a few seconds, we kept on talking. But after uh, less than a minute or so, we realized that, that our recording had stopped. Um, so we're starting back up just to um, talk about the rest of, of everything that went on uh, this week. Um, but that was... Uh, um, Raw and SmackDown leading up to uh, Money in the Bank. We've got a long build, about six weeks. Um, I know it looks like we are going to see a tag team Money in the Bank that will show up too. We've had yep. segments. Uh, we've had segments that have been aired on Raw um, that included the Ascension and the Fashion Police, Brizango, talking about competing in a Money in the Bank match. Melter and Alvarez said that uh, they were uh, pretty confident that that match is happening. Oh, it's happening. But they just want to, they want to, because they have a longer build leading up to the pay-per-view, we're going to get our our men's and women's qualifiers out of the way. And then we're going to have, uh, you know, we'll have set up, we'll have four guys from Raw and four guys from SmackDown yeah. that can have matches leading up to Money in the Bank. They can have singles matches or tag team matches leading up to Money in the Bank mm -hmm. to kind of create some of that conflict for the match itself. Yeah. And then we can also have a tag team Money in the Bank qualifier on both Raw and SmackDown in the weeks leading well, up. Well, I think what's going to happen is uh, there's going to be two people. It might be Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn again, which I don't know if I would like, but it would be cool. Is they both lost their qualifier, so they're gonna say, "Well, let's team up and join a qualifier for the tag team." My, yeah. My, but I'm interested to know the format. Like, is it gonna be both dudes in the ring at one time? Going for you're gonna have to tag someone in. Are you going for one briefcase or two briefcases? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be weird. I feel like they'll if they oh that'd be brutal if if two different teams get them and then they make them a tag team. Oh, there could be some interesting possibilities there. I'll, yeah. I'll, who knows. I mean, we learned Seamus and Cesaro didn't seem like a good team. Yeah. Ended up being a good team, so I guess we got to be open-minded in that respect. But I, everything the Usos and New Days, the people I expect to be in that match, they've always delivered. So I'm going to assume it's going to be good. But you do got some people that could potentially bring it down. Yeah. So I'm excited to see, but mostly I want a little format before I make any conclusions. Um, so... Um uh, 205 Live, um, immediately following SmackDown, um, started out with Lince Dorado and Grand Metalik, the Lucha House Party, um, with uh, Kalisto, um, defeated uh, Brian Kendrick, the Brian Kendrick, and Jack Gallagher. Um, you had uh, Drew Gulak on commentary for this match, actually um, kind of hinting that we might see a six-man uh, in the weeks to come with Drew Gulak adding his technical skills to uh, the very technically talented Kendrick and Gallagher um, going up against uh, the combined lucha might of Kalisto, Dorado, and Metalik. Um, Tony Nice uh, made his uh, comeback on uh, 205 Live, handily defeating 
Uh, Keith Clayball. Hey. A, a literal ball of clay. Bring him out. Bring him out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Time out. Quick question. Yeah. Do you think I can beat Keith, Keith Clayball? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. How long would it take? How long, would, how long did it take Tony Nice? I think it probably took on three minutes. Uh, less than that. 30 seconds? I think, yeah. Because I think, uh, I think knowing that you've been preparing for Mayweather. Mayweather's been preparing for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I don't I don't think Keith is going to be able to stand up to if you're if you are seeing how your game plan and your technique would work against an opponent. Yeah. Keith Playball, no Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, exactly. Not so it's, not making it it's long. Just lower com- competition. Okay, yeah. I just... The big match of the week was um, a rematch from the. Cruiserweight Championship Tournament. Uh, Mustafa Ali beat Buddy Murphy, um, who was suffering from an arm injury in the tournament. Um, Mustafa Ali, of course, went on to headline the Mania pre-show <laughs> and, and compete for the Cruiserweight Championship. Headline. Headline the Mania pre-show, competed for the Cruiserweight yeah. Championship. Let me, let me quote Ryback. The pre-show stopper. Yeah. Um, but Mustafa Ali did not win. Um, however, um, he has not gotten his rematch. He has not gotten another title opportunity. Okay. Buddy Murphy um, was uh, was going to be awarded a title opportunity before he failed to make weight. But now that he's requalified for 205 Live uh, and is under the 205-pound weight limit, um, they had a match between Buddy Murphy and Mustafa Ali to determine who will be the next contender for uh, Cedric Alexander's Cruiserweight Championship. Buddy Murphy not injured this time around, and uh, it was not pretty for uh, Mustafa Ali. Um, Buddy Murphy dominated this match physically, He's a super powerful, compact, muscular athlete. Is, is Buddy Murphy Brock Lesnar of 205 Live? Yes. He is the Brock Lesnar of 205 Live. That is a great description of Buddy Murphy, okay. who he is and what he does. Okay. Um, Ali missed the inverted uh, 450, the 054, um, and um, hit uh, Murphy's Law, which is um, like a variant on a... TKO F5 type of maneuver, um, and good good comparison again. He he has like essentially uh, a fireman's carry twisting spin out finisher, sort of similar to one Brock Lesnar. So he's a mini he's a mini Brock Lesnar. Mini Brock, hell of a place for him. Yeah, um, I expect uh, in the Buddy Murphy Cedric Alexander match. Uh, that we very likely may get a new cruiserweight champion coming out of that match, and then Hideo Itami is going to be next. Um, so Itami's got something to work out with uh, Tazawa, or at least a match to to settle things up with Tazawa after the breakup of their tag team. Um, so we'll see if he's in the picture. I'd like to see him in the picture though. Um, going over to uh, NXT. Um, not a super eventful show. Um, just telling a couple of uh, telling a couple stories, moving things along a little bit. Um, Ricochet uh, came out saying that after his debut in NXT, he's only got one thing on his mind. That's the NXT Championship. He was interrupted by the Velveteen Dream, Velveteen Dream, who pointed out that he's already made the NXT universe say his name, 
Ricochet said, in point of fact, he's even made uh, the current NXT champion, uh, Aleister Black, save the Velveteen Dream's name. He did, that was a good match. Though. Yeah, but... Um, what did he say? Enjoy infamy, Velveteen right. Dream. But Velveteen Dream, Ricochet said, is no Ricochet. Ricochet is the one and only. Velveteen Dream said that anything Ricochet can do, he can do. Um, and <sighs> What a bad dude to say that to. Though. It look Yeah, because... Like, that's like the guy you can't say that to. Yeah. Take all that indie stuff. Like this dude. Any triple somersault that you can do exactly. off the top rope, I can do. This dude got hated on for being too fancy with wrestling. Now, I agree. I, I was more on the side of that's too much, that Will Ospreay stuff. Mm-hmm. But that dude literally got, like, I'm not going to say hated on. You know, hate on is fair word. Hated on because he was doing things that people can't do. And because people can't do them, they were like, it's not wrestling. Yeah. So, Velveteen Dream, bad choice words. That's the dude that just can do things you right. can't do, you right. know? But we're, we're going to get a match between Velveteen Dream and Ricochet at NXT TakeOver Chicago, presumably to set up the next number one contender. Yeah. Um, and, uh, of course, that will either be for Aleister Black's NXT Championship or... For Lars Sullivan's NXT Championship, if Lars Sullivan can apply his hands to tearing apart Aleister Black. If so, if Aleister Black gets these hands via Lars Sullivan, is Lars Sullivan the Brock Lesnar of NXT? Lars Sullivan is the Braun Strowman of NXT. Wow, that's a profound statement you chose there. Wow. Um, so we have the in-ring debut of EC3 hey. going up against Raul Mendoza. Um, you know, I got to say, there's one thing going on in wrestling right now, and I I don't entirely know how I feel about it. I feel like um, too much is being done exactly the same with such slight variations and what I'm talking about specifically is EC3's uh, new finisher for NXT, the 1%. It's essentially, um, you know, Mark Miro's old move, the TKO, which was turned into the F5, which is very similar to um, a move that... Uh, Buddy Murphy uses, and it's very similar to a move that um, the finest debuted last week as his finisher. And there's a women's wrestler, I think in NXT, who uses virtually the same move. And I'm getting tired of seeing a fireman's carry into a spin-out, either face-first or head-first or whatever. Not everyone's doing the Eclipse, though. Right. But that's the thing. The Eclipse, like, part of why it stands out is because it's so different. So different, yeah. And there's, like, there's got to be seven or eight people doing a spin-out fireman's carry to the face yeah. right now. I just want to see a bear hug. I, yeah, I'd, I'd take a bear hug. Lars Sullivan would be a great candidate for a bear hug as or a the, Or the Iron Claw, man. I used to yeah. do that when I was a kid in the games. Iron claw. Yeah. Put them to, I don't know what that does. Put them to sleep, I guess. If you squeeze someone's forehead, Com- you put them Yeah, to sleep? head compression. Ah, yeah. brutal. But uh, anyway, I so 
That's my one beef uh, with EC3 defeating Raul Mendoza is I saw the finisher and I literally, like, I can't tell you the difference between his finisher and five other finishers that people are using right now, and I don't like that. Too many people using some variation on the same move, and maybe it's because, like, John Cena uses it, and he's John Cena, and Brock Lesnar uses it, and he's Brock Lesnar, and, you know, but this... I want to be like them. I want yeah. commas in yeah. the bank account. Commas in the bank zeros. account, and, and, and somehow, like, putting somebody in the fireman's carry position for a finisher is going to create this moment that you can pause and wait to see the fans reaction to oh oh here it comes and, and there's a lot of ways too, there's yeah. a lot of ways for the opponent to get out of it yeah a lot of people do out of it but i agree with you it's just so. too much like some give somebody a damn pile driver yeah. you know and like then i well give somebody something that'll make me go wow i did not expect to see ec3 make that his finisher because what it's boring whatever he's doing yeah let me let me say this though did you know that Patrick Clark is Velveteen Dream is young. Oh yeah. So when you have someone that's that good, all right, because he's stupid good, mm-hmm. and he's that young, I don't want to get weird, but let's assume you know times change with Vince a little more, or we move to the next generation, so he won't sing or dance or rap, or be flamboyant. I guess he's doing a combination of all of them right now. But uh, is that the kind of stuff you need to potentially be the best ever? Because um, we're 23. He has the formula right now to be the next Randy Orton. Oh, he does. I guess he's the default. He got the look. Well, he he he's got a little bit more. He's got a little bit more of a of a like a distinct look and personality. But than they, Randy don't, Orton. they don't bring Velveteen Dream to the main roster though. Not At way. some point they do. No, they cut. His I mean, hand well, okay, well, man. so Patrick, yeah, Tyler Breeze proved so, that he got no business. Okay, so yeah, Patrick Clark definitely at some point makes it to the main roster because the guy's talented as anything. Stupid good, Jen. Um, so Dakota Kai um, had her match with Vanessa Bourne. We talked last week about how Vanessa Bourne um, said that she wasn't afraid of Baszler. And uh, Dakota Kai said, well, I'm definitely not afraid of Vanessa Bourne. They had their match this week. Dakota Kai picked up the win. Um, but as soon as she picked up that win, Shayna Baszler came out. Shayna Baszler backed Dakota Kai, trembling, afraid, looked like she wet herself and cried all at the same time, into a corner. And then Baszler kept her eyes locked on Dakota Kai and uh, choked out Vanessa Bourne. Grabbed Vanessa Bourne, who said that she wasn't afraid of Shayna Baszler, and gave her a good reason to be afraid. And the whole time, she just locked eyes and kept the gaze of Dakota Kai. And Dakota Kai slunk out of the ring like a chicken. Coward. Backed up the ramp in terror. Made her way backstage. She was stopped for an interview segment later on to be asked about why she was so abjectly terrified of Shayna Baszler and she just looked like a a frightened mouse uh, ready to do anything in the world but face Shayna Baszler. My God, Charles, you're cutting a promo on him right now, man. It was was the worst treatment. It was the worst treatment for a baby face imaginable. Are you Vanessa Bourne's manager or something? Well, Dakota Kai saw Vanessa Bourne being choked out by Shayna Baszler and at the very least the one thing you would expect from a real baby face even if their if their opponent was being choked out by someone else's mm-hmm. 
you are a respectful enough fighter that you don't want to see this happen. And this is an opportunity where you can stand up to Shayna Baszler and stop her from choking out Vanessa Bourne. Dakota Kai didn't do that. Dakota Kai abandoned. Not my problem. She didn't abandoned ab- Vanessa. She didn't Bourne. abandon anybody. She had. You can't abandon someone you have no obligation to. But when 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 Dakota Kai was being interviewed backstage to be asked about running away from Shayna Baszler, mm-hmm. there was one person back there who laughed at her Ooh. and laughed at the prospect of getting in there with Shayna Baszler, no matter Laura what Sullivan. the consequences. Nikki Cross. Crazy old Nikki Cross? Who is the one member of Sanity that was not called up to SmackDown, yeah. is still in NXT for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's Nikki Cross versus Shayna Baszler, presumably NXT Chicago. Ah, Nikki Cross is... She she has an effect on me <laughs> because she got that crazy girl thing down. Mm-hmm. Pat, yeah, Pat, man, and she's she's tiny though. She's so little. Yeah, War Raiders versus Heavy Machinery. This is the match I talked about. Over twelve hundred pounds in the ring. Big dog gotta eat. Nothing match. Absolutely <laughs> total disappointment. It was over in two minutes. The War Raiders won. Um, this was this was the like. NXT is so consistently good at telling stories that are simply told outside the ring and then great stories inside the ring and make you want to see more what happens next with these people. And this was such an unimpressive match in so many ways that it made me feel like heavy machinery's trash. I don't care about what the War Raiders do next, though, because the match was so garbage it didn't impress me. So I don't want to see... Like the War Raiders up against anybody else because I don't feel like they're good enough to have a good match with anybody. This was the worst. This was the worst thing you could do with two tag teams that weigh combined twelve hundred pounds. The finish to this match should have been that the referee could never get control of this match. The referee got shoved out of the way every time all four guys got in the ring and started slugging it out, throwing each other around, smashing each other. The referee tried to get control, tried to get two guys to go to the corner and stand by the tag rope, could never make it happen. Brawl goes outside the ring. Brawl makes its way into the uh, arena, and these guys are so big that if they hit the barricades, the barricades break. The fans need to get out of the way. Security's got to evacuate an entire section because these guys are so massive that when they get in there and they have a genuine war with each other, it can't be controlled. And you could have led up to something really big that would hide a lot of the weaknesses of all four of these guys who are huge, massive workers. Maybe not like all four of the best workers in ring, but if you could have got these guys in a reinforced steel cage match where the big impactful spots could all be one 300-pound guy grabbing another 300-pound guy and smashing him into a cage. That's going to make a lot of noise. It's going to create a lot of visual excitement. Yeah, That's the kind of story they should have been telling. This was trash, and I wonder, like, who... I want to know... I want to see the you leak. You sound so passionate I want to see the leak. I, I told are you... Are you mad about 205 this? Live, 205 Live and NXT are such good wrestling shows week in, week out. It's why, why are you this mad, why I love them. Because I want to see a leak that shows me who the agent was for this match. I don't care. Uh, yes. Because oh. I don't care. I don't care who the agent was for Rollins' Miz at Backlash. I want to know who the agent was for this match 
that booked this garbage and I want him fired because you fired. Yes, gone. Golly, I Be- feel like this is way too much. I feel like you're over the top right now. Be honest with you. Because the War Raiders versus Heavy Machinery was the introduction of the War Raiders into the tag division. This is War Machine. I'm this saying, is the end. Of- but you are so mad. You and, gotta take a breath. And <laughs> you had a chance. You had a chance to tell a story here. It wasn't a pay per view. Yeah, and it never will be. And it's I and now now War Machine has debuted in WWE at, in NXT as the War Raiders, and I don't care, and I don't want to see them in a pay per view because you killed them in their very first match against a guy th- their own size, and it was just and they still won the match. That's the worst thing is they won the match in two minutes, and it was still all horrible. Let's move on. All right. Uh, Tommaso, Do you need to take a break? Tommaso Ciampa versus Cassius Ono. Cassius out there. I didn't know Cassius was such good friends. I guess it was kind of, we got a peek behind the curtain that apparently Cassius Ono is really good friends with Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. Well, that's convenient. I did not know that. I didn't know it either. But that's he came out to fight Tommaso Ciampa to tell him, teach him a lesson uh, to end this reign of destruction he's been on. Okay. He He... He broke Gargano's body and he broke Candace's heart was the story they were telling with this match. And Cassius Ono came out to break him. And instead, he went home with a... L. L. Big, big <laughs> L. Tommaso Ciampa, um, you know, he, he, he absolutely, like, established that he fits his role as a... Just an utterly despicable heel so well because he seems to really enjoy hurting any opponent in the ring. But if he's got a reason, if you have a close connection to Johnny Wrestling and he's got a better reason to hurt you, uh, he's going to hurt you worse. Um, And he actually, not only did he beat Cassius Ono, but after the match, he applied the knee brace across the face. The adamant, the adamantium knee brace took took the the took the knee brace cross face. Whose man this is? That Gargano made him tap out to and made Chris Hero and and made Chris Hero Cassius Ono suffer the same thing that he suffered, and uh, so presumably the face of Cassius Ono is not going to look the same when he makes it back to TV. Cassius Ono's entrance is sick, by yeah. the way. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. I always want to know if that's actually him rapping or not. I, I have I no idea. it is, I think it's not. I think it's probably not. But Sasha Banks sang her song and a couple people sing their own. Yeah. I think Bailey you know sang hers. Can we please get Bobby Lashley just to say something when he comes out? You know Cause, what this? Because that's like, that's the most memorable thing is like, at least with Cassius Ono, we know it's Ono coming out. With Sasha Banks, we know it's Sasha Banks. With uh, with all the people that you've described, like there's something about their entrance music that tells you, well, I know who's coming out now. It's oh no, yeah. But Lashley's music hits. No, I just want something. I just want something to be like Lashley. Lashley. Let's get Vince. Can we get Vince McMahon? Can we get? I'm trying to find Bobby Lashley's. Is this it? That's his impact music. Oh. Is this, is this it? That's the same thing. Yeah. All right. Well, they don't even have it on Spotify, guys. Sorry, I couldn't help more. It doesn't sound like anything. The Spotify the Spotify robots were, like, looking for Lashley's music. They saw the recording. They were like, this doesn't look like anything to me. I just feel like this is, like, this is 
this is something that we need to know the answer to. Yeah. And I I just, it's not even on YouTube. I just want... Here's what I want. Oh, I found it. I okay. found it. This is big. Hold on. Listen in. Wow. This... That's the most did generic it, it, thing I've ever heard. No, did, that was just Michael Cole talking. Okay, so I was going to say, There's it's no not one. part of <laughs> no. Lashley's music no. that like 12 seconds in, you just oh, hear, oh, oh my. my. But that would be better. It would be. It's That's what I'm saying. We need, generic we need somebody in there talking or saying something exactly. to give you some type of cue that lets you know. That's what I'm saying. I want Vince McMahon to just like, I want Vince McMahon to think about the trapezoids, the quads, the glutes, the biceps, the delts. But he makes I want him to skin. think. I want him to think about the definition of the muscles, and I want him to go Lashley. Lashley. And I want that to be the intro to his music. At least then I'll know who's coming out. They were probably they'd probably be like, "Hey Lashley, can you rap for us?" Yeah. No. Well, uh, can, can you dance? Can one of your sisters rap? Yeah, I know you got four of them. What are they doing? Matter of fact. We need, we need some new dancers anyways. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. Anyway, NXT and 205 Live, for the most part, was were, were good. Um, nothing... What did you think about having machinery? Oh, my God. Let's, <laughs> let's, get, off, let's get off that. Um, and uh, so I just wanted to mention, too, um, you know, we're just... We're going to talk about it real briefly this week, just talk about some of the results. Um, and it's something we've talked about, you know, because as we've mentioned on this show before... Guys, we're pro wrestling fans. We're not just WWE fans. And I know a lot of the focus of this podcast for the last few weeks has been on WWE events. Now, admittedly, it's been a season where we've had WrestleMania, yeah, the Greatest exactly. Royal Rumble, and Backlash all within a couple weeks of yeah, each other. That's warranted our attention. For yeah, sure. and for sure those have been the big stories in pro wrestling those weeks. Um, but this week we had an event uh, in Dontaku uh, for New Japan that was a big event. Um and I want you guys to know that we're going to cover and talk about other things in the world of pro wrestling. And if we have a chance to see a local independent show, we'll do that and tell you guys about it. If we have a chance at some point to make it uh, to um, you know, a, a PWG show or a Ring of Honor show or another type of show um, or catch their programming when they have uh, special events. Uh, I think it's safe to say logistically, logistically, practically – and financially speaking, if there's a show we can attend, we will attend it. Right. I mean, it's just that simple. And if there's know? a show that we can watch... Then we'll watch. We'll try. And, we're, and guys, so the thing is, like, we, we are not um, at the point yet where this podcast gives us the opportunity to watch every hour of wrestling. Exactly. Every we're not like Melter yet. It's not we're our not, job. We have... We have life and families. We're not Big Vinny V and Brian Alvarez either. We are not doing this uh, around the, the schedule of taking care of kids or anything else. Um, so we can't watch everything, but what is significant in the world of pro wrestling, we will try to talk about. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just going to limit it to the matches that I made a point of watching uh, from Nantaku that I thought were important. Um, so you had... Um, Los Ingobernables, uh, De Japon, uh, which consisted of Tetsuya Naito, Evelyn Sonata, uh, Hiromi Takahashi, and Bushi, um, defeating Suzuki Goon. 
um, which is uh, Minoru Suzuki, uh, Lance, Ar- Lance Archer, and Davey Boy Smith Jr., um, Kanemura, and Desperado. Um, and Ingar Bonabale's got the big win over Suzuki Goon. Um, you know, uh, Hiromu Suzuki has been, um, uh, I mean, sorry, Minoru Suzuki um, has been on a uh, very much a turnaround in his career since the shaved head um, that happened um, at a previous New Japan show. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a much more sinister character, and I have a feeling like the war is not done between uh, Los Ingobernables and Suzuki Goon. However, the big angle, the big story that came out of this match was after Los Ingobernables left the ring. Naito remained to celebrate with the fans and was attacked by a fan from the crowd dressed as Bushi, who turned out to be Chris Jericho. Y2J. And Jericho... What a what a year that yeah. man's having, man. Saudi Arabia, Saudi Japan. Saudi Arabia, Japan. We're wrestling. We're doing concerts. concerts. And his song, Judas, if you listen to his podcast, that will let you know all about Judas. Mm. It's a... Uh, his song was hot. Like, he's been involved in the top level of three different promotions, two different promotions, two different industries mm. in six months, man. Yeah. Like, he might be the GOAT. And he's doing his, he's doing his Chris Jericho wrestling cruise. His wrestling cruise, which is sick. Yeah, his so that's a third industry he's going to be leading in. Yeah. Like, Chris Jericho is might be... Like, he's, I don't think he's well-known, like John Cena and stuff. But he's like might be like the mogul. He's of wrestling. This is his year for sure. Oh, like well, this is the year yeah. of Jericho. Yeah, it's crazy. But um, Jericho attacked Naito, including an attack with the ring bell to bloody Naito badly, mm. um, and uh, on his way out attacked the young boys, the professional wrestlers in training, um, telling them to get their effing hands off of yeah, him. Get your hands off. Him. And uh, so Jericho. Um, you know, obviously, the program with Naito, Naito being upset about Jericho co-main eventing, Jericho clearly still hurt by those words, and uh, that match, that program will continue. Um, so, the next big match on the card was um, the Bullet Club versus the, the Bullet, Bullet Club. Club yeah. It was uh, Omega. and Bullet Club wins? Bullet Club did win. Um, it was Omega, Ibushi. Your boy got sent. Fale, um... And uh, the Gorillas of Destiny uh, versus Cody, the Young Bucks, uh, Hangman Page, and Marty Skrull. Um, the um, uh, finish of the match, um, Skrull tried to body slam Fale. The, the whole premise of the match for Marty Skrull was that he had promised he was going to body slam Fale uh, in this match. He went over to the announcers and guaranteed it was going to happen. At the end of the match, he went for the body slam. Fale was too big, fell on top of Marty Skrull, and Skrull got counted uh, out for the three count. Um, the conflict among the Bullet Club is not over. Um, you know, It's definitely going to continue. Omega and Cody Rhodes still in opposition. Cody Rhodes still saying he's the leader of the Bullet Club. A lot more still to be settled there. Um, mm-hmm. Will Ospreay uh, face Kushida for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. That was a great match. Um, that was a match, you know, obviously that featured like some of the craziest spots I've seen in terms of the impact. There was a this is what you get with that dude, though. Yeah, I mean, so Osprey took a took a DDT 
from the ring apron to the mat around the ring head first. Landed on his head DDT. One of the worst spots uh, as far as like just thinking a guy could get killed taking that move I've seen. Um, But Osprey did win the match. Credit to Osprey. Whenever you see like if you see a YouTube clip randomly titled that you don't know who's in it Mm -hmm. and it says like wrestler almost dies, wrestler horribly injured, wrestler's in bad shape, it's always Will Ospreay. Right. But he's never actually hurt severely. Yeah. Like forever, Mm -hmm. obviously. So maybe kudos to him in that respect, because once a month it looks like his career should be over, and he's always wrestling a couple days after that. Yeah. So respect to him for there. So, and one of the stories of the match was that uh, that Ospreay, um, you know, uh, wasn't successful, was countered too often in trying to hit the back to the future knee um, on Kushida um, and actually broke out a new move. Hey. The Stormbreaker, uh, and this is actually what I was thinking of when I was talking earlier about um, you know how you see the same finisher over and over again. Because guys, I'm going to tell you right now, the Stormbreaker, surprise, surprise, is a fireman's carry spin out oh. finisher. Um and uh, the Stormbreaker was the move that Osprey broke out that he now presumably will be able to hit on anybody without being countered, and it'll be his Rainmaker. Can Marvel sue Will Osprey for that? Um, I mean, I don't think so. I would hope not. I mean, Is obviously... Is low on the totem pole? Well, obviously... I mean, I would say obviously, like... I'm sure... It's not a coincidence. I'm, no, it's no coincidence. The timing is, is, is too, literally too coincidental. Yeah. Um, but um, but Stormbreaker finisher, um, yeah, I mean, I think just, you know, no more than Marvel's going to sue uh, the person who held up that sign at Monday Night Raw. Like, it's, at this point, it's Crawford. I don't know if this is ironic or not, but what a bad name for a finisher saying is how it literally mm. was the last chance to finish them and failed. Yeah. So, uh, I want to rename it something else. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, the main... Event- almost finished it with this. 2.9. Yeah. She can't get it done. The main event was um, Okada, who was on his 12th title defense. We should make an entire segment, an entire video one time, revolving around how I'm pretty sure this is the number one title reign in wrestling history. Yeah, I think I That's think a, at this point a lot of a lot of experts acknowledge the same thing. Yeah. Um but um Okada defeated Tanahashi um to retain the title. This was the this was the big program from years ago and uh Okada took the title from Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of building back up to could Tanahashi come back against Okada? Could he be the one to end the number of successful defenses and to end the championship reign? Um, it was uh, it was a great great match. Lots of drop kicks um, from Okada. Uh, unsurprisingly, tombstones back and forth, um, and um, ultimately it was uh, just a rainmaker at the end. Um, that finished the match um, and took out Tanahashi once again. Okada still standing tall, um, cut a promo um, uh, to the uh, to the crowd saying he will make it to 13 title defenses, um, you know, and will continue to remain the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Mm-hmm. At this point, like, who's going to tell Okada he's wrong? 
I have a quick idea. And you guys, I hate to leverage my past here, right? But I have not made too many judgments that were terribly off yet. But this is my most aggressive one yet. Within the next calendar year, May 13, 2019, there is a cross event between WWE and New Japan. You've heard it here. And I think it's going to involve Okada versus Jericho for the New Japan belt, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, at <clears throat> WrestleMania. Okay. You heard it here first. All right. That's it. But what I didn't hear in that, in any of that, was Roman Reigns. Oh, I'm done with Roman Reigns. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with Roman Reigns today. I can't ever say... Ever, you get... Let me swing this back. What'd you think about heavy machinery? <laughs> speaking, <laughs> speaking of things we're done with, we're done with another episode of the Close to the Mark podcast. Hey. It's always fun. Um, it's It's been a blast, um, uh, again, to sit down with Corey and uh, record another uh, couple of episodes for you guys, including our Backlash review, which is already up. Um, don't forget... Guys, if you have any thoughts on what's going on in wrestling this week and you want to add your ideas, comments, suggestions, anything else, send them to us at Close to the Mark Podcast. Also, don't forget, while this thing is steamrolling and gaining some momentum, we still need your help. Join the movement. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. Share it on social media. Share it with friends. Tell somebody you know that is your wrestling buddy that there's a podcast they can tune into, check out, and hear some other guys talk about wrestling. Go, You know what? Matter of fact, go ahead and grab their phone, find their podcast app, download the whole show the for, whole them, for them. Like, click play. Click like, click subscribe, yep. and hit play and hand it over to them and say, listen to this. Listen. And uh, help don't, us. Don't ask them. You tell them. Right. You tell them, listen to this. What we don't need you to do is botch when you go to click that like button like Shane McMahon's punches. Make sure you land accurately. Click the button, connect. Yeah. The keys to connect. And um, just downloaded everything. We appreciate you. But get back to us, close to the mark podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back again next week uh, to talk about more in the goings on of the professional wrestling world. Um, we might have some more bonus content coming for you guys. Um, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. We appreciate it every time. All right. All right. We're so, out. We're out.